KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. From KYW News Radio 103.9 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Hello, I'm Raquel Williams, and welcome to Bridging Philly. It's summertime and the kids are out of school, but when the kids depend on school for their meals, where do families go for help? Today, we address food insecurity. We are partnering with North Penn to ensure that there is access to quality foods for all folks that need it, um, no matter what your situation is. Our newsmaker this week also tackles food insecurity. I'm not letting no child be hungry. I wasn't raised like that. If we can feed kids, let's feed them. KYW's Antoinette Lee has our Changemaker of the Week, making an impact on the community. Now that's a half hour you don't want to miss, and it's all coming up on Bridging Philly. Welcome to Bridging Philly. Well, summertime for many people means lots of fun and sun. And for kids especially, it means enjoying the summer off from school. But for many children who depend on school for their meals, it could mean that they're not going to get the proper nutrition that they need each day. Food insecurity, it's a significant problem for many families and kids tend to suffer the most. Thankfully, there are a few programs out there that are committed to feeding the kids during the summer. And today we are highlighting one of them. The American Heart Association has paired up with community nonprofit North 10 for a program that's committed to combating food insecurity in North Philadelphia. Joining us is Anita Anim, Community Impact Director for the American Heart Association, and Jamise Williams, Program Director for North 10. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us. So first, let's uh, set the stage here for those who may not have a complete picture as to what food insecurity is. What does it mean to be food insecure? So the technical definition of food insecurity is a lack of consistent access to enough food for every person in a household to live an active and a healthy life. So this could be a temporary situation for a household, or it could last a really long time. Okay. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize you might see a kid, you know, eating a bag of chips. So, oh, okay, well, they have food. They're fine. But that is not proper nutrition, so to speak. Right. So you have food insecurity. So the lack of food, but then there's also nutrition insecurity where you have a lack of access to quality and healthy food that's nutrient dense. So when you look at Philadelphia County, the poverty rate right now is 23.1%. And this is new data 2022 from the Southern, the Southeastern PA Regional Community Health Needs Assessment. So when you look at where North 10 is located, the zip code is 19140. Mm -hmm. And the poverty rate there is 40.8% compared to Philadelphia County where it's 23.1%. So that's a significant difference. And it just speaks volumes to the need to support healthy food access in this community. And another thing to note is in the 19140 zip code, 70% of the population identifies as Black Mm. and 27% as Hispanic. So you're seeing that these specific folks are in need of this quality food. Um, So that's why we're super excited to partner with North 10 um, to to support the community. 
Yeah, it's this, that's definitely a huge need. 40.8% uh, poverty uh, in that area. So I, I can yeah. see this is this is definitely an area that uh, could use the help. You know, this is an issue that a lot of people really don't talk about out loud, may not share information with other people because, you know, there's that stigma or that um, shame, I guess, that's associated with need. Um, but yeah. there is help available out there and people may be embarrassed to reach out and to say, you know, we can we, we can use a little bit of help this summer. Our kids are out of school and, you know, we have a hard time making ends meet. And that's extra pressure on the family to to, you know, feed the kids since they're out of school now. Exactly. And just like you said, uh, one thing to note is, you know, times are changing and we saw the traditional stigma of folks that may be unemployed, but we are seeing folks that are employed still needing extra supplemental support. So across the board from folks that do have employment to those that are unemployed, there is a significant need and there still is that stigma and shame attached to reaching out for support, whether it's food or different social services. Um, But we are here to share that, you know, it's not just folks that are unemployed. It's it's everyone. It's it's hard times right now. And uh, we all need, you know, some some extra support. Right. Jamise, I know that uh, North 10 does a lot for the community and, you know, stranger to, you know, feeding and, and different programs of this nature. Um, uh, talk about some of, you know, the, the families and the kids. You've done this in the past. Uh, talk about the need um, there since you definitely service that area of, of North Philly with different programs. I started off as OST coordinator, so I began working with uh, the youth in the neighborhood. And then um, once I stepped into overseeing adult programs and community services, I got to know not only um, the adults and their families, but the adults and the seniors that are not connected to the center as as well. The need is extremely evident, um, as Anita stated. We do have working families coming to our market. We also have the unemployed, but we also have the senior population who's on a fixed income. We have those individuals who are between jobs and just need that extra support. So the need is definitely there. I've witnessed it since the first day, and it's still prevalent today. Yeah. So let's talk about more about the program. Um, how many meals are you expecting to distribute this summer between uh, the American Heart Association and North 10 together? So interestingly enough, uh, we are running summer camp with our youth programs and Denise Matza, who oversees youth programs. What she does is we work with a uh, outside agency to provide the meals for our campers. But there's also um, an opportunity for neighborhood children to walk in and to receive breakfast and lunch, of course, within a um, specified time frame. They must be accompanied by an, a parent or a guardian. Um, however, the meals are offered not only to our campers, but children in the neighborhood as well. Do you have to sign up for anything? So what it is, is Denise Matza puts the notification out there to the families and the, the word gets spread. And that way, during those times, I believe it may be between nine and ten. What happens is that that notification goes out and not only are our campers being fed before the program starts within the building, But those neighborhood children accompanied by parents and guardians, they can also come and sit on site, have their meal, whether or not it's breakfast or lunch. Okay, so they can come in for breakfast and they can Mm -hmm. come in for lunch if they're not part of the camping program, as long as they're with the parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
Let's talk about the areas that North 10 serves. Are these areas also considered to be food deserts as well? I would say so. So we are really focused on 19140, which includes East Tioga and Hunting Park. But we are also open to um, accepting individuals who are within those surrounding zip codes. But we are specifically focused on serving the needs of those in 19140. And Anita, I'm assuming that those areas, not 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 too many places for families to go and get nutritious foods, maybe some small shops, but not places where you can get fruits and vegetables and produce and things of that nature. That's correct. So in these areas, like you said, you're, you're seeing more corner stores, uh, which may not have uh, access to a wide variety of healthy food. Uh, so this is where the 10th Street Market is such a critical part of the community because it provides that variety and that quality food. Uh, So in Philadelphia County, 32.2% of children who are less than 18 years old live in poverty. But when you look at the 19140 zip code, it is 53.1% of children less than 18 years old living in poverty. Wow. So that is significant. And like I mentioned earlier, it's that same population of uh, predominantly Black and Hispanic children affected the most. Talk about how this partnership uh, came about, Anita and Jamise. Yeah. So in 2020, the AHA actually partnered with North 10 to implement a food insecurity screen and referral process. So what that looked like is helping to connect impacted families with food resources, but also social services resources that were available. So building on that foundation, the AHA supported the 10th Street Market with a commercial refrigerator. So through conversation, Jamise had mentioned that they were getting tons of produce and foods from their procurement partner share food program but they just did not have the capacity to store all of it. So that's where AHA was able to support through a restricted gift from a donor to provide a commercial refrigerator. And now they're able to store and therefore serve more fresh fruits and vegetables, which is awesome. And that's not only to the folks that come to the market, but also uh, through the deliveries to homebound residents as well. And also, uh, Jamisa and I are currently collaborating on a food and nutrition policy for the 10th Street Market. So this policy is utilizing the Healthy Eating Research research Nutrition Guidelines and also evidence-based resources from the American Heart Association as a tool to guide the nutritional priorities and food that's being distributed. So as I mentioned earlier, we're not only looking to distribute food, but making sure the food that's distributed is quality, nutritious food. So through this partnership, the policy will ensure that the food that folks are going to get are fresh fruits and vegetables, low-sodium, shelf-stable items, whole grains, lean protein. So they are getting that nutrient-dense food that's going to help with making sure, you know, it's reducing risk of chronic diseases because we know that nutrition and food play such a huge impact in overall health. Jamise, let's talk about the uh, the commercial uh, for refrigerator expanding that space. That must have been a relief. Talk about how that's helped what you guys do at North 10. 
Oh my gosh. So it arrived a couple days ago. Um, this has been in the making for a very long time. Um, the guys just actually uh, arranged the shelves and plugged it up. So we are super, super tremendously excited to have this, this added um, space so that way we can serve um supply our shoppers with more fresh items that they're requesting. Um, the shelf-stable items are, are great, but the more um, fresh items we can offer, such as eggs and cheese and milk and things like that, things that um, smaller children are really in need of, as well as our seniors. Um, so we're just really, really happy to say to, to share in full abundance. Yes, we'll take that extra pallet of this item, that item, and now we can store it um, comfortably. We don't have to rely on emergency distributions to uh, give away what we can't store. So it's really, really a great uh, resource. And we are tremendously grateful to Anita and the association for it. So, yes, this is definitely a good thing. All right. So we've brought up um, the North or rather the 10th Street Community Market a couple of times. And that is a program under North 10. It's a food uh, distribution program. Uh, Tell me more about this, how this started. And is this something that's year round? So this is a choice model that our center director, Chris Gale, and it came out of our um, distribution efforts last year. We, because we had undergone renovations, we were in a position where we had to distribute off-site. And um, Chris had this amazing idea that we should offer this not only during um, certain times of the year, but it is year-round. So during the renovation, space was made within our building to not only be more welcoming to the adults, I can get to that later, but in this uh, building is now a permanent space where we have a place where um, our community uh, residents and neighbors can come and shop one out of two of those days to get their their 20 20 items. Okay, so describe that. One out of two days, people can come in and get 20 20 items. So they're shopping Mm -hmm. themselves. They're picking out their own food. Describe that. So we offer, like I said, shelf-stable items that range from vegetables to meat to uh, to fruit. We also offer, um, like I said, fresh items as well. Snack items is really interesting because we partner with Phil Abundance to provide produce boxes on specifically on Tuesdays. We also partner with Cradles to Crayons, and they provide diapers for us to give to, um, to individuals as well. They come in, they're allowed... There are certain amount of items. There are limits. They're allowed no more than four of the same. So that way, um, all of our resources are shared equally. They are checked out by our lovely program manager, Rose Dorte. And then we see them next week. So we try very, very hard to, um, to work on the relationships because we want them to have a really positive experience. We maintain the space so that it's really clean and bright and welcoming. And we greet our shoppers by their first name and we have conversations. How's your daughter doing? How's your grandson, you know, um, handling college this year? So we, it's not just, they're not just coming to get um, groceries. They're, they're having a really um, respectful and, and dignified experience because we've heard the stories from our shoppers. Oh, when we go to, you know, this place down the road or the place around the corner, they they look down on us, mm. you know, they they treat us a certain way. But here you guys make us feel welcome. We've actually had people say that to wow. us. And that's that's more important than putting food in their hands. We're yeah. we're respecting their humanity. 
Yeah. And it's it's really a rewarding experience. Yeah. Dignity and humanity definitely come to mind when you're talking about a program that allows people to pick their own food. So talk about the decision. Yes. And Anita, you can jump in here, too. I mean, it just it just it just seems like it's just a different air about it when you're able to pick your own foods and instead of being handed a box of you don't know what's in there. I mean, of course, you'd be grateful to have it, but there's something different about shopping for your own things. Definitely. The choice model is preferred for pantries because you have the ability to walk through the aisles and choose foods that meet the needs of your specific family, Mm -hmm. but also your culture as well, Mm -hmm. um, which is, it's so important that folks are able to still be able to make foods from their culture and, and, and celebrate food through through that means. And with a, a bag pantry, although folks are still getting food, they don't have control over the items that they're receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I love most about the 10th Street Market is that folks can can choose based on their dietary needs, based on their culture, based on their personal preferences. And it's it's like they're, you know, you're at a grocery store and, and you're making your your selections. Uh, so it's just it's so nice to give people that autonomy. And um, I love that the 10th Street Market does that for folks and that they treat them with respect. And it it's really they're they're all part of the, the 10th Street uh, North 10 family. Right, right. Um, just a little thing to add. Um, I think it gives them a degree of power and control. And that's something they may not have in other areas of their life. So if they're able to come and even if they're, you know, in our space for five to 10 minutes, it's important that they feel that that independence, that that acceptance, yeah. they feel yep. empowered to make decisions and choices that they can't make outside in the, in the rest of the world. Awesome. Yeah, that's important. You know, Anita, I think when people hear American Heart Association, they, you know, often think of just heart issues. Uh, Why is it important that the American Heart Association is involved in a nutritional program such as this one and and ones that feed kids during the summertime? Yeah. So the AHA, uh, we are are really aiming to be in the community and meet people where they are to support with their overall health and well-being. So food is a perfect opportunity to meet people where they are. And we know that a lot of chronic diseases are connected to the foods that we're putting in our body. So we want to make sure that folks have access to quality food to help with their overall health. And this was just such a great way for the AHA to use funding to support this community and to just build relationships uh, on the ground with folks. And and it's been so great to partner with Jamise and uh, help them with their needs and also um, just learning more about the community. And like I mentioned, we're building on the foundation of where we started and we continue to partner on so many other things. And I'm excited about how the AHA can further support North 10, but also other communities around Philadelphia. 
Jamise, you mentioned um, uh, fill abundance um, and having, you know, I guess uh, some uh, surplus uh, coming to you from fill abundance. Where else do you get food donations? Are people donating? Where do they come from? So we largely get our inventory from either Share or Full Abundance. Most of our market inventory comes from Share. Specifically, our produce boxes come directly from Full Abundance. We receive about three pallets every week. On each of those pallets are 63 20-pound boxes. So we are distributing, on average, 189 boxes per week. So at least one to two pallets get delivered and a pallet is left behind. So that way the the shoppers who come in for the market, they're able to come into the uh, lobby area, grab their box, and then they come down the hall to the market. And while we're speaking on North 10, let's talk a little bit about the history of North 10 and how it all came about and other programs that you offer so North 10 was founded by H. Chase Lenfest. He actually wanted a place of fun and safety for the youth in the neighborhood. The Lenfest Center has been thought of as a place just for children. Um, we are working hard to turn that around, um, including the renovations, which I stated earlier, were done in an effort to be more welcoming to the uh, adults and families in the neighborhood. Because like I said, for a while, for a long time, it was just thought of as a place for uh, children. But what we really want to do is present this place as um, something of um, a place for everyone, not just the children, but um, the adults and the families and the adults in the neighborhood and the seniors as well. In those renovations, we have created an adult education room um, in addition to the market, as well as our hunting park community room, uh, which is also our cooling center. All of our rooms in the uh, center are named after streets in the neighborhood. Our cooling center is actually, like I said, called the Hunting Park Room. And it's activated on heat-related emergencies that are mandated by the city. So that's when anybody can basically just come in, literally hang out. We just installed a um, a fantastic, wonderful, giant television. I'm not sure about the dimensions. (laughs) Um, But they are able to literally just come in, cool off, have water, have drinks, snacks, read magazines, and play games. In addition to that, we have our OST, our out-of-school time programming during the fall. We have summer camp during the summer. And we, Rose and I, have um, began with our summer programming for adults. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, adults can come in and learn how to be digitally literate through North Star programming, which is um, a result of our partnership with the City of Philadelphia. On Tuesdays, we have Phil Abundance again in Vetri. Um, community kitchen coming in and they offer uh, cooking demonstrations and food tastings for our shoppers while they wait to use the market. Wednesdays, we offer senior lounge where we have individuals uh, 55 and older come in and literally just use the space to to either meet with their friends, engage in games or whatever kinds of um, activities and other ways to relax. On Thursdays, Rose is offering a parenting class from 10 to 12 that's pretty much open to um, any any age parent, whether it's a teen parent or an older parent, a grandparent who's parenting their, their grandchildren. And um, to top it all off, Fridays, uh, we are offering art and fitness. So you can oh. come in, mm-hmm. you can either engage in a fitness class with Rose or you can take art with me. It sounds like there's a lot going on for the community yes. at North mm-hmm. 10. So that is yes. awesome. Serving 
the North Philly area. Do you guys need volunteers? How can people get involved with North Tech? We actually do. So not only do we offer um, summer programming, but during the fall, we have workforce development. We have, of course, the market. We have recreational space. We have open gym for our young men and women in the neighborhood. I am actually working on a plan to uh, roll out volunteer process. And I'm actually taking the time to find out information from the other departments here at North 10. So that way, when we do get a uh, an influx of volunteer inquiries, I can know where to direct them. If they're interested in administrative role, if they're interested in food distribution, if they're interested in helping to maintain facilities. So the volunteer plan is actually in the works. Sounds good. And Anita, the American Heart Association, always looking for some good folks to volunteer with various efforts? Oh, yeah. We are always looking for volunteers as well. And uh, we're looking for organizations to support, uh, just like North 10. So if there are areas that have uh, needs around nutrition security or food insecurity, we would love to connect and find a way to support them as well and to just build a relationship with them in the community. Okay. So a final message to folks who may be listening and know that, you know what, they can really use the support. This is what they've been, you know, looking for. They just didn't know where to go, but they're a little hesitant because they may be embarrassed. What would you say to them? North 10, we are really, really working hard to become um, that one place where you can go and, and to get, get all your needs met, whether or not it's food, whether or not you need to come into the computer lab and, and work on a project or even fix your resume or even apply for a job. Or even if you just literally want to come and hang out, we really want to be that community resource for everyone in the neighborhood, from children to adults to seniors pretty much everyone. We want to become that place where you feel welcome, you feel um, like you you feel like you belong, and you feel like you're accepted. Right. Whatever your, your goals are, whatever your needs, we're here to help you in the best way possible, and we're here to help you improve the quality of your life. Awesome. Anita, I know it's hard for people to ask for help, but of course, I'm understanding that this is a no-judgment zone. So if you need the help, they're there to help you, both the American Heart Association and North 10. Yeah, so the stigma, shame, and isolation, they really just keep hunger sealed away in households. Um, So we are partnering with North 10 to ensure that there is access to quality foods for all folks that need it, um, no matter what your situation is. And uh, we're just excited to spread this message and to let folks know that they are welcome and that they will be respected and have uh, the opportunity to shop for foods that are quality, that meet their dietary preferences and cultural preferences as well. Um, So please utilize the services that Jamise has mentioned, and we're excited to continue building on our relationship and offering more support and services to the community. And for people who want to learn more about the work of the uh, Greater Philadelphia Area um, American Heart Association, where can people go? Awesome. You can visit us on our website and you can also contact me directly. And I'm happy to connect with folks and see how we can support. Awesome. And Jamise, 
How can people learn more about North 10? Visit our website. We are North 10, the number 10, phl.org. Sounds good. Well, definitely doing some wonderful work in the community in North Philadelphia absolutely needs. I hope more people hear about this and uh, take advantage of the services that uh, both organizations are offering. Uh, I want to thank you, Anita Anim and Jamise Williams, both from American Heart Association and North 10. Thank you so much for joining us on Bridging Philly. Thank you for thank having you. us. It's been a pleasure. 30 Seconds to Second Chances, brought to you by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Timmy Nelson had zero symptoms when he learned he was in kidney failure in 2013. Sometimes that's the case. It just happens. My mother's the same situation. He spent three years on dialysis. His focus was on his health. Also staying positive about it mentally. So when he got word he had an organ donor, he was ready. I woke up with a brand new kidney, which happened to be my 60th birthday. And now he's paying it forward. Register as an organ donor at DonorsOne.org and help save lives. Welcome back to Bridging Philly. As we continue to address food insecurity in Philadelphia, Sharaday Howard sits down with our Newsmaker of the Week. Much of what represents Philadelphia's charm is history, creative artists, but many would argue Philly's charm shines most brightly in its communities, people, and its parks. Smith Playground is one of those very parks. In the heart of South Philly, Smith is a safe haven for families, neighbors, and especially its youth. But the community is one of the poorest in the city, so the playground plays a huge role in both protecting and feeding these families. Ronald Brown has been a volunteer at Smith for over seven years. He runs the youth programming, which includes, of course, summer camp. And he says he ensures that every kid who wants one has a place in his playground and a square meal to count on. Thank you so much for being here, Ronald. Would you please introduce yourself? Well, my name is Ronald Brown. I've been working at Smith Playground as a volunteer for about seven years. With the kids, I'm here for everybody. I mean, it's just not just one kid, we want all the kids. You know, not, it basically was just Afro-Americans. Now we have a culture now of all new kids. <laughs> so, you know, it's a process. And everybody's getting along. Yes, that's the name of the game. We as an all-around community, we just got our field done a couple of years ago from the Make-A-Wish Foundation, did our playground over, did the field over. Uh, we had a statue dedicated for girls to play basketball. That's one of the big things we're trying to get down here. We have a boys league, it's just about to wrap up. We just, it's a community. It's a place that, you know, we have the kids come. We have summer camp, football. We're trying to get now, we're introducing soccer, baseball. So let's talk about this community and what Smith Playground and this particular summer camp, what role it plays in not only making this neighborhood safer, but making it more of a community. First of all, it's the children. We got young people that live in the community from campers to becoming youth workers. We also, at 13, we take those who want to work next summer, we let them volunteer and become counselors so they can get experience. So they work along with the staff, do tasks with the staff, ask them, work with the kids. See, basically all these kids are the same age. What's this age range? Age is from, we go from about 6 to 12. You know what I mean? We work with special need kids that, you know, who want to come camping, who never had the experience. As a disabled person myself, you know, it's a great experience. Uh, not too many rec centers that I know of is handicap accessible. Well, this one is basically on one level. And so that's how we work it. 
So Philadelphia has experienced a really high rate of not only violence and gun violence in particular, but also the pandemic. Now, how has that affected your community and how are you guys really dealing with that? First of all, the pandemic came, shut everything down, and everybody got comfortable, but they couldn't come out the house. But see, the problem is parents left their kids with their phones, YouTube, Instagram. Now, you got all that mixed up together, now everybody arguing with each other. So as a community, what I want to do, what I do here is, hey, listen, let's start all over. Let's give it a brand new, I got young men who live around the neighborhood, coming to the playground, I say, hey, listen, I need your help. You got it, Mr. Ryan, you know? So if you get to them, you know, you got some bad ones, but you talk to them too, you know? And if you work with all of them, they all get it. You can't save everybody. And the pandemic was a bad thing, you know what I mean? A lot of people died. A lot of kids had nowhere to go. You know what I mean? They were bottled up in the house, so when they got loose, it was a whole new experience. But what about the gun violence? How did that hit your community? Now, the gun violence? Now, that's a whole different subject. The gun violence is, listen, is based on who you're talking to, who you're arguing with. You see what I'm saying? Some people believe in the old school way, old Smith, Wilson versus Tasker. And by old school, you mean like park to park, block to block, confrontations, like old school turf wars. This versus that, Fifth Street versus that. First of all, and I'll be honest with you, all these representatives need to stop doing one thing. Stop talking to older people. And by representatives, you mean politicians, people who come here trying to make things better, but really don't know the community. Have a summit. Find a playground. Hot dogs, hamburgers. All right, so you suggested a summit. So how, how would you even go about this? First of all, pick a place. South Philadelphia, West Philadelphia, North Philadelphia. Get them all in the rec centers. Open the doors, clergy, Muslims, get together, open your doors, okay? If you give them and let you let them see you, if they can see you, they can understand what's going on. Get in their minds that what you was told about this, that, and back in the old days, it's gone. That's not happening no more. You got jobs out here. You got young people got cars. You know what I'm saying? So the world doesn't look like it used to. So you're telling these kids to, not only the kids, but the community to embrace the new. Yes. Embrace the fact that you guys can build the future together, but you have to first expose each other to new things and communicate. Correctly. Stop listening to whatever you're listening to. Understand you have your own mind. You had a dream, okay? Martin Luther King had a dream. Malcolm X had a dream. Rosa Parks had a dream. We all had a dream. And if we all believe in our dreams, if I want to be a rapper, then I'm gonna work on being a rapper. If I want to be a basketball player, I'm gonna work on being a basketball player. But you gotta let your parents know, this is my dream. And I need you to help me fulfill my dream. And my job at the rec center is, if a kid come in here and got a dream, and I can help him with it, then I can help him. That's what this summit should be about, not about Oh, we cannot help you. Open the doors to them. Show them that they can be cooks. You ain't got to be pros. You can do anything you want. But if you open the doors and stop talking to one another, you know, behind closed doors, passing the money around, you know what I mean? Oh, give me this money here and I do this. No, no, no. Go investigate who you get the money to. 
Because if you don't see no children, and you don't see from the community, then you ain't got no community. My community, before I got here, we had a dirty field. We played baseball. We played football. We did everything on a low budget when I first started here. Now, we got a nicer budget, and we can do more things, get more kids involved. You know what I mean? Some kids' parents can't afford to send their kids, pay $400, $600 summer camp. You came to me and I'm gonna give you a deal of a lifetime so your kids can come, so we can break it down so you can, kids can have fun. This is what this is all about. How many kids are here? I have, right now, I got 27 kids. One time I had 55. So what keeps you here? You know? But it all works out. At the end of the day, they're gonna tell you they love you, they're gonna miss you. And I like that. I have kids leave their parents and run up to me and give me a hug. Mr. Ryan, when's summer camp starting again? When can I come to the playground? This is what it's all about. It ain't about me. It's about me getting old. It's about me passing a legacy to these kids saying, hey, listen, this is your home. And gentrification, so much change in this area. You say that's affecting your community too. Whatever they building around you, you can stop that building around you because you need to. That's what this, that's what the summit's about. Get involved. Politicians, stop lying and go and tell the people that. Talk to the kids. The police, talk to the kids. You know what I mean? They're afraid of the police. Why? Because somebody told you to be afraid of the police. What about food insecurity? You have a lot of kids and a lot of families here who just don't have as much as some others. And unfortunately, the South Philadelphia Community Bridge was vandalized not too long ago. Can you tell me about that and how that affected your ability to feed your community? Well, first of all, we had a pantry here. If you got a rec center, it's standing open at 9 o'clock. And you can get a food pantry put out here where they have refrigerators for food in them and they can come and get some food to eat. You know, we have lunch program here. If they want to come and get a free lunch, it, at the, um, for our kids, whatever we got left over, we feed you. If I had to order more to get more food, then that'd be fair. You know, we have left, sometimes we have leftover milk. I don't want to throw it away. I asked the kids, y'all want to take some milk home? You know what I mean? I mean, you might get in trouble for it, but that's okay with me. I'll take that. I'm not letting no child be hungry. I wasn't raised like that. If we can feed kids, let's feed them. If we, you know what I mean? That's why I'm fighting to get this, this refrigerator back. And if anybody want to donate a refrigerator to Smith Playground, you can at 2100 South 24th Street. And we'll get the pantry people to put the food in there because we... So yeah, let's talk about this. You guys experienced a really traumatic situation recently. Yes. Now what happened? Tell me about that. Well, some naughty kids from the neighborhood figured they get mad at me and take it out on the pantry. But what they don't understand is what you get mad at me about because you want to cuss me out and disrespect me and you know I can't do nothing to you. So I'll kind of what I do is I tell my supervisors, they say, hey, listen, we've been harassed. So now you're destroying our pantry, and now people come past here looking for something to eat, and they got nothing there. So my thing is, if we can get that back, we got a new policy. From eight, so the time we open up, 
to the time we get ready to close, we will lock the refrigerator to the next morning when they come fill it up again. That's how you solve the problem. And if we, if we have to, we got cameras, get some better cameras in so we can get closer view of who they're doing and have their parents realize that, hey, what your child is doing is hurting other people. And we don't want to hurt other people. We want to feed people. I heard about the one down, down there in front of near the old school box. Somebody stole the whole refrigerator. You know what I mean? That's, that's crazy. But we put these refrigerators there and we bolt them down so they can't move them. Hey, we can solve this food problem. This food problem ain't hard to solve. You understand what I'm saying? It ain't hard to solve. Get your ego out of the way. If you want to be a part of the community, then you can be a part of this community. All y'all stores can be a part of this community. Open your doors. Instead of you throwing it in the trash, you can feed somebody. And we'll leave it there. Feed somebody. Share with your communities. Thank you so much, Mr. Ron, for, of course, joining us on Bridging Philly. At Devereaux Advanced Behavioral Health, we exist to change lives by unlocking and nurturing human potential for people living with emotional, behavioral, or cognitive differences. We were founded in 1912 by a special education teacher in South Philadelphia. And since then, we've been treating the most vulnerable members of the population in the same way we would treat our own families. To learn more about our evidence-based, trauma-focused care for children, adolescents, and adults, visit Devereaux.org. The Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week. Presented by Devro Advanced Behavioral Health. Hey y'all, it's KYW's Antoinette Lee here with this week's Philly Rising Changemaker. This week we're highlighting two groups with similar missions. You may have seen them running around the city. They're called Black Men Run and Swagger House Run Club. Their goal is to unite black and brown men through the hobby of running. Together, these two groups have started something called the Hood to Hood Run Series, where they're bridging Philly by not only increasing representation of black and brown runners, but they're also taking a stand against gun violence in different neighborhoods throughout the city. Here's more from leaders of Black Men Run and Swagger House Run Club. Lawrence Harrington, and I'm the captain of the Black Men Run Philadelphia chapter. George Morris, and I serve as the vice captain of Black Men Run Philadelphia. Joshua Perez, and I am the president and co-founder of Swagger House Run Club. All right. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining me this evening. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. If I could just have one person tell me what Black Men Run is and how you got started. Black Men Run? It was founded in Atlanta, Georgia by our uh, founders, uh, Jason Russell and Ed Walton. They saw a need for Black men to have an outlet, basically to try to eradicate some of the health disparities that we face, heart disease, high blood pressure, and things of that nature. And our mission statement is to encourage health and wellness among African-American men by promoting a culture of running and jogging to stay fit, resulting in a healthy brotherhood. And that's what you see here in Philadelphia with me and Lawrence leading a Philadelphia chapter. And Joshua, you are involved with Swagger House Run Club. So tell me, how does that correlate to Black Men Run? I was registered with a, um, a co-worker to do the Philadelphia Marathon. Um, he committed suicide about five months prior to the um, actual marathon. The co-founder, Ron, and the owner of the Swagger House Tattoo Shop, he wanted to fulfill the promise with me. He knew I was running with purpose. So we went on a five-month journey of training for the marathon. During that journey, we realized that the mental health aspect and the therapeutic aspects and benefits of running weren't highlighted, especially in the black and brown communities, because uh, we were underrepresented demographics on trails and at all these organized runs. At that point in time, it became my mission and Ron's mission 
to start to educate the black and brown community, not just on the weight loss aspect or the cardio aspect, but the mental health, the escape that it uh, provided for people mentally. George and I have been known, we've known each other for over probably 11, 12 years now. So, you know, I said, um, the first thing we need to do is we need to build community and bridge the gap between the black and brown community. And they were all for it. And it's been nothing but an organic relationship since then. And it's a very supportive environment between the two clubs. I'm curious, is this uh, year round or what do you do when it's what it's cold? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We, we're, we're out year round. We run in the winter. Um, sometimes the numbers dwindle a little, but you can see, you know, we're out there, you know, 10 degrees, we're out there. You know, we get a lot of crazy looks. Winter like, soldiers. We're out there. Yeah. So for those who are not familiar with the Hood to Hood Run series, can someone just tell us what that is? What sparked it was one of our uh, members at Black Men Run Philadelphia, Leroy Miles. We was already organizing a group run to go out to a, a memorial for a young man that was uh, gunned down in Southwest Philadelphia. Antonio Walker Jr., who happened to be Leroy's cousin. He was a high school athlete and a track star. So it hit us. It was very resonating with us because we're runners. You know, he was still in high school, about to graduate, and he was gunned down. And we went out, we planned a route to go through Southwest Philadelphia. I grew up in that part of the city. And we met his family, talked to them. We came to the tribute. And his father, you know, he was very touched by it. And he said, yo, I appreciate what y'all guys did, you know, coming down here, you know, showing up in numbers and the support that we showed for the loss of his son, the tragic loss of his son. And then I remember Josh and Lawrence uh, reached out to me, said we came up with an idea to, you know, to run the whole city. Lawrence and Josh, I, I believe they they was going to try to run the whole city in like two runs. But then we, we slowed it down and decided we're going to go neighborhood by neighborhood and block by block. So that was the hood to hood. Stop the violence run series. Neighborhood to neighborhood. Two runs became all of last summer. <laughs> we ran all together mm-hmm. about 80 miles throughout the city and neighborhoods that were most affected by gun violence. And that's the hood to hood run series. The very first first uh, hood to hood run series was for one of the leaders, Leroy Miles' cousin. And then from there, it just kept going. We were doing it on a weekly basis. It's so much going on in Philadelphia citywide. So we'll pay attention. If it if it's South Philly that needs the response, we respond to South Philly. If it's Uptown that need the response, we respond there. And if it's Kensington, we go right to the heart of Kensington. I was covering that that vigil for Antonio. I think about him all the time. Um, and I actually remember that moment when y'all came through with the flags, right? Yeah. So that that's a pretty um a full circle moment. And and it's wow. cool to know that that you all are still doing that. That's it for this week's Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week. You can hear more from this conversation and the Bridging Philly team by subscribing to us on Apple. Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Antoinette Lee, and if you know a changemaker we should highlight next, go to kywnewsradio.com slash Philly Rising or find me on Twitter at AR Leon Air. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us for Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at Bridging Philly and with me at Raquel on Air. And of course, please subscribe to the podcast. For Antoinette Lee, Sharaday Howard, and our producer Arian Fulcher, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well.